recording. Abram, are you recording? I am now recording. (laughs) Our professional uh, uh, podcast intro. We always have to ask that when I'm on the show, you know? That's true. Um, Um, Yeah, we are kind of professional now. We're like uh, trying to do a really good job this year. I'm pretty excited about it. I don't think it's professional at all. (laughs) I think you're trying harder. I, I am trying harder. Yes, you are. Uh, I get a lot of messages and texts from Abron about podcasts. So, um, uh, so how, how's the new year? How's the new year treating you? Christmas good? Thanksgiving good? All that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was good enough. It was nice to be away from work for a while and uh, kind of like disconnect. And I spent most of the time working on the basement. We've got about yeah. thirteen hundred square foot of flooring that I've installed, and I've got about a hundred square foot left to do. Oh, that's not bad. Getting close. Yeah, uh, but uh, 90 boxes of flooring installed or like dropped into the basement. It's a big pile mm-hmm. and there's not much left. Yeah, that's good. Got to have a few pieces extra, but you don't want to overpay, right? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to channel my uh, inner Dutch and uh, they normally say budget 10% for waste and I'm doing everything I can to not waste anything. Well, with with flooring, it's kind of nice because like there's not a lot of cutoff usually. Like usually, you use that cutoff to start another row, you know, right. um, which is good. But uh, uh, unless it's uh, you know tile, uh, tile is different. But with that kind of flooring, yeah, you can you can usually not throw away the ends. But, well, this is uh, like a uh, uh, this is an intermediate project, I guess, or like an. Uh, uh, a tangential project. I started working on the basement bathroom because I wanted to tile it. And my <laughs> my friend said that uh, it would be much easier to manage the threshold between um, the tile and like our final uh, flooring of choice. Right. And so like the, the threshold kind of got mangled up in the carpet. And he was just like, you know what? If you're going to put flooring in anyway, you might as well just do it now. Man, so, your friend is crazy. The, you just get a big aluminum strip, you sacrificially put that thing down, and then you rip it back out later. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I don't do this for a living, so I'm I'm not very good at it. I do things slowly. Oh, it's it's not that it's not that complicated. But yeah, I saw you had about half of it done when I was there for PRI. It looked pretty good. So yeah, the uh, the PRI hotel will be will be open uh, for business. I think next year, people in the basement will have a bathroom and everything. Yeah, Chateau de Schmucker is uh, it's uh, it was. How many people did we have? Uh, I don't know. You, you did a boom in business this December. <laughs> I think it was like 12 or 13 people at some point stayed the night at my house. A lot, a lot of people moving through there, but I, I had my like, normal uh, my normal bed above the garage. That's uh, Like uh, DJ showed up at one point and yep. uh, Tom slept on the couch and it was, people were just around. Yeah, it was, uh, it was busy. Um, the... Uh, yeah, the the PRI show sort of reignited a little bit of my uh, my desire to do car things, and that was promptly extinguished again by uh, holiday stress because uh, my wife gets real stressed about uh, everything being perfect at the holidays. She's one of those right. people, right? Um, and then it uh, and then basically I I get kind of down because like I don't get a lot of days off, and I'm like it just kind of freaking sucks. <laughs> And so I was. Uh, I've, I've been. Uh, I've been sort of in the doldrums the last couple of weeks. I, d- I dig well, the holidays. It's like fun, but like it sucks to like everybody else gets to like play with their new toys the day after Christmas. And I was like standing in uh, somebody's yard, like tearing a wall apart, which blows. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I think what you should do is probably just charge more money to put windows in your door. So. Well, we are. Uh, and that's part of the reason, like, money situation's okay there. But, like, I, the problem with the holidays uh, is a month leading up to Thanksgiving is when, like, sales go crazy in the construction business because everybody's like, oh, I'm having my mom and my dad and my cousins over. I got to put new windows in. Like, I got to do a new front door. Oh, this is broken. That is broken. So people, like, parties are generally a pretty good motivation to, like, get your your house in order, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. And so, and, and then, and then the demands start to get crazy because people are like, Oh, but I got to have it by, by Christmas. Can you get it by Christmas? And then you, you try not to promise things, but my dad sometimes promises things, uh, in the sales, uh, in the sales world. And yeah, guess who gets to, uh, work 12 hour days making those promises come true. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Yeah. So, so that's always fun. Like the week leading up to Thanksgiving sucks. The week leading up to Christmas sucks. Um, and then the week between Christmas and New Year's, unless the weather's bad. And this year the weather was amazing. It was like fifty degrees. Uh, so we we're just trying to make hay while the while the snow wasn't on the ground. You know, right? You've got snow so, now, right? Because we don't. Uh, it came and went. Uh, we had like two inches uh, last Monday. Man, I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was Monday, and uh, and then it all went away, and now uh, we just got about an inch this morning. But the, the the blacktop and the sidewalks were so warm, I didn't have to shovel, which is nice. It just melted right away. So the grass is white right now, but everything's just kind of sloppy and gross. So I think I'm kind of the the worst neighbor because my um, my neighbor is kind of hardcore about making sure that his lawn is perfect and making sure that his driveway is perfect. Uh, in the winter and like he goes out and he snow blows at four o'clock in the morning to make sure that the inch of snow that's on the driveway is gone and right. where four where in the morning in, yeah like he's out super early and where we live it's like man the snow will be gone in like three days you just you just let it melt that's fine yeah at, you, and i do everything i can to avoid shoveling the driveway i, I, I like shoveling the driveway like i like having a clean driveway because I don't want anybody to slip and fall, uh, especially like Emma and me. Um, yeah, right. And I, I'm, but but my driveway's not very long. You got like double the driveway I have. Um, and then um, yeah, and it's easy to shovel mine. Just go side to side. Basically, I do a pass up the middle, and then I just walk back and forth, just swinging the shovel to the right, swinging to the left. I can almost like just walk two times up and down the driveway if it's light snow and it's done. Uh, and then I like to keep the sidewalk clean because I'm a dog walker twice a day. And like if, uh, if the sidewalk's clean, my life is easier. And if it's not, cause and I got some neighbors that do not shovel well. Um, I, and I don't like them for that fact, <laughs> but <laughs> so I don't know. I just try to try to not have people slip and fall on my sidewalk, but um, yeah, hopefully we don't have the craziest winter. Usually we get like a big snowstorm in February and March, and that's kind of about it. And so far, it's it's looking okay. Looking to be looking to be manageable, but um, yeah, yeah. You, you live just far south enough where you don't get as much snow, but you do Not get really. like the same temperatures. So um, you probably have been working enough today that you didn't get a chance to see it. But the guys from Gears and Gasoline released a video where. Um, uh, Ben the Caucasian, um, White Ben, White Ben, uh, like races at VIR against oh, yeah. uh, Mark Mark Brylow and his EG. Yeah, like I was e- EK versus EG. I was texting with him about that, and he said it was coming out this weekend. Um, I was asking him if he still had his B sixteen swap because we're sort of looking for a an engine to put into Dan the sedan. 
but uh, well, you know, uh, uh, in your red car, someone pointed out that uh, if I'm talking about putting the K24 in the the Civic, yeah, you should take I saw my, that. You should just take my K20 and put it in the red car. I don't know. Someday I'll probably go with the K series, uh, and like the the main reason I would do it is to put a uh, to, to put in like a bolt in sequential because the Quave sequential is so easy to put into a K series. Um, yeah. Uh, and K series, it's just modern. It just makes some sense, but like, but you're, I got but so you're much D, of this D series you know, junk. D sixteen single cam for life. Well, I'm not like there for life, but it's just so easy right now, and I don't have any money to put into it. So, um, uh, but the reason I brought up the the gears video is um, we had the Benz and Kobe on the sh- uh, Kobe Shield on the show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and they've yeah. De- they've decided to use Kobe as their gears and gasoline stig. Oh. Which I thought was kind of <laughs> <Cool>. cute. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, he uh, he ended up driving both cars and was running like low two twenty two twenty twos ish in uh, both cars. It's not bad on street tires, yeah. So yeah. I don't think it was a fair test because Mark uh, Brylo had what uh, Nankang somethings on his car and uh, Ben had RE seventy ones. So okay, not not apples to apples. I don't think. Well, that's that track is uh, that track is still pretty power dependent too. Uh, yeah. That's straight they away. They had tried to power uh, match both of them. Um, yeah. Where, uh, what is it? Mark had a B eighteen uh, type right. R motor, and and Ben had a B sixteen. Um, yeah, he has, they, yeah, lower, he had they lowered the red line. B sixteen. They yeah. lowered the red line on Mark's cars to try and get it to uh, match on power. But okay. Yeah, those chassis are so similar, the EK to the uh, the EG, but um, so much of that is going to come down to tires, and it's going to come down to weight and setup, and like, it's hard to set up a Civic like that, a double wishbone Civic. Like, it's hard to set it up really wrong, but like, there is obviously gains to be made if uh, if one car drives a little better, brakes a little better, you know, that kind of stuff, but... Well, and I know that like a lot of the front wheel drive guys will use um, like a reverse dagger setup to try and get a little bit more oversteer in the car. Sometimes, um, but du- yeah. but during the video, like both of them had uh, had oversteer problems that resulted then on on them being off track. So it was like, okay. well, maybe you want to like uh, tune that out just a little bit. It uh, it it can be be a pretty fine balance um, with uh, with Civic setup. Uh, I, I was taught. I was posting in an uh, in Instagram a while back, a couple weeks ago or a week ago. In uh, th- there's a company, Honed Developments, are out of Australia, um, and they uh, they have they just put out a um, an Instagram post that has like a recipe for like a good handling Civic uh, or Integra, you know, double wishbone eighty eight to two thousand uh, Honda, basically. Um, and for many many years, like the recipe was like big huge spring rates in the back medium spring rates up front, big sway bar, uh, and stagger tires. Um, and what that can result in is obviously a snappy car. Uh, and some of the advantage of having a car that's tail happy is, uh, they have to get back on the throttle really early because otherwise you crash. (laughs) So you're, so you're literally like you're wide open throttle more. That's kind of the goal. Um, 
but it also can uh, it can be done a lot of different ways. And honed honed is uh, they like they recommend a softer spring in the rear, which uh, was something that I had been doing for a couple of years uh, on the advice of David Whitener, uh, who did my shocks. Um, and he'd done like a ton of testing and he's like, no, you just, you just don't need that much spring back there. It's just not, it's not holding up a lot of weight. There's not Wait, a lot of weight in the back that of the, the car. Is the same, same whitener as the one who did the tire test on track dude? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, he's out of, uh, out of Texas. Smart dude. Uh, he builds shacks for Corvettes, for Miatas and for Civics and Integras. He builds them out of, he's, he was on the podcast probably like 200 episodes ago. Um, God, so but, long. uh, yeah, he uh, he's he's multi-time SCCA solo champion. I think he's a NASA wheel to wheel nationals champion in some PT class a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, good uh, good smart dude, and he 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 recommended that no, you just don't need a lot of spring in the back. And for like ten years, I had been running more spring in the back than in the front. Um, and turns out it's right. It's really there's so many ways to make those cars work. So I don't remember how yeah, we got. To I think this, that's but. that's just because they're intrinsically good. Well, it's just it's simple geometry too, and it's lightweight. Uh, like they gain camber as the wheels compress, which is good, uh, and they're just pretty lightweight cars. You know, with a driver, it's pretty easy to keep one of these cars under twenty five hundred pounds, like full of fuel, ready to go, which is pretty right. light. So, um, but yeah. So that, um, after watching or after listening to the the Jeff Braun episode. I yeah. went around digging uh, on YouTube and I found an old video of the of Colin in the D Sports Racer at Road America. There, that, there's so, a video of that out there. Yeah, uh, the, with like data overlay, and it's like it's old, really. Uh, so it's not like you know super high resolution, but yeah, that would have been 2011, 2012, probably. Yeah, I think 2012. He did a on on video. He did a 55 in a D Sports Racer. Good grief, man. And like, I, I start to think about uh, how excited we were that uh, James and Will were running like 208, 211 range. And then I think about this stupid D sports racer going 15 seconds faster than that. And that just like, just makes me crazy. With just a little motorcycle engine too. Like a, it's, <laughs> a it's crazy. A turbocharged uh, 0.6 liter engine. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, uh, my. I mean, it was it was making crazy power. I think it was making three fifty. I, I think. Yeah, I want to say like I, I went back and I listened to the Dinner with Racers episode. It made about three fifty. That's such a good show. So. They after, they did an uh, awesome job. After he was on with us at PRI, um, he uh, I don't think he said it on the show, but after after we stopped recording, we were talking about that ep- that episode. Um, and he had said, oh man, I went back and listened to that uh, recently. And I probably only told like 25% of the story, <laughs> but, uh, uh, that's a little I, mind blowing. Uh, I really, really want to have him back on the show. Um, he was, he was just about like the perfect guest and had He's so, so many cool to, stories. I can't imagine what life would be like if we had Gary and Jeff on the show to tell stories with each other. It would it would be too much. It'd be just too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, maybe someday we can actually make that happen. <laughs> um, so we've got what is it? Uh, next weekend, I am trying to convince you to come down to Barber Motorsport yes, Park. Yes, I would be leaving. Um, We'd be on the way a week from now. Right now. Yeah. So uh, Pete Collins and the rest of the uh, RS Motors guys have been talking to me and to you about going to their 
they go down like in January every year uh, and just do a track day that's supposed to be a good time. Yeah. And uh, Pete's been talking to me for at least eight months about going down there. And uh, my my brother-in-law has been like really flaky about um, like when his wedding is going to be okay. and uh, has shifted the date two or three times. Okay. And and so uh, it's next Friday, which me like inhibits my leaving early to get down there on Friday night. I was um, just going to ask you, like, why don't you want to go on Friday? I can't. So I, I have to go to the wedding. The wedding's um, like Friday evening. But I was talking with Ashley um, today and basically kind of figured out that it's going to be up up in South Bend. And right. after right. the wedding and reception are over, I'm probably going to drive back down here to Indy to at least get a head start um, in the morning okay. so that uh, I can leave. And it's only seven and a half hours from my house. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if I got up at five or something, I could get down there uh, at like a decent time. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to convince you that uh, you should do it. Well, I'm going to try. Uh, a lot of it depends on uh, on wife and daughter craziness at this point. I think I can get out of work without a problem. Um, uh, so, so my wife has always been uh, not a hundred percent supportive of the automotive thing. Like when it when it like turned into a company that there might be a future of, like she became more supportive. But uh, let me move away from my dad's dog who just found a squeaky toy. Uh, I'm over at my parents' house watching the dog for a few minutes here, letting him out of the cage. Um, yeah, when it became like a potential like future job, uh, she became a little bit more supportive. But but now it's sort of burned her out like because I was gone, I don't know, probably 70-ish something days last year. Um, yeah. But And she just has been on Christmas break. She's a teacher. And Emma's on Christmas break because she goes to the same school, obviously. Um, and so during Christmas break, uh, both of the girls become like needy. They want they want me around more because they're bored. <laughs> sure. So, so I kind of I kind of got to feel out how uh, how how much they desire me to be around next weekend uh, next week. So I, I, I might be I might be old news like in two days. You never know. You could uh, you could play the game a little bit and try and be an asshole so they don't want you around. <laughs> that that's a really terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i went home for lunch uh this uh like a late or early lunch this morning and uh emma was making a hotel uh in the living room for for stuffed animals um so my wife was obviously uh, in the basically hotel. for like for for two weeks we've been cleaning up emma's messes like she she's really into crafts and she cuts things apart she like you know we have to like replenish the construction paper uh, every like five days because it just gets shredded by Emma with the scissors making crafts and she'll be up at 530 in the morning and she's just using up all the scotch tape, using up the construction paper, um, making decorations. I mean, we could literally fill a room with, if we kept everything like it would be uh, it, it would be it's just ridiculous how much stuff Emma creates, uh, which is good. I mean, she's a creative kid, but she's also very busy and she makes huge messes. So Sarah right now is probably desiring me to come home so she can leave uh, because Emma's annoying her. So uh, words. That's, that's what I'm dealing with. I don't. I don't know if I can leave Sarah alone for another weekend, but everything might be fine in two days once they go back to school. You know. Yeah. So. Um, I would go down there Saturday uh, with the intent to like uh, do some shows um, yeah. with those guys because they're 
they've always got cool stories and uh i really want to have moss on to talk about super k which is his uh, formerly supercharged k-swap s2000 but is now yep. a turbocharged k-swap s2000 that makes like i think about 500 wheel horsepower um it's probably one of the better setup S2000s in the country. Um, that was uh, that was the uh, uh, him and Eric Dewey Dewitt uh, battled back and forth at the final round of uh, Gingerman for the trading street mod, street mod track records. Yep. Yeah, over and over. they dropped it like almost a full second, didn't they? I think so. Um, so that car is super cool, and I'd I'd love the chance to talk with him about it because. Um, in terms of crazy fast S2000s uh, that I've also done, you know, grid lifes and also one lap, yeah. uh, it's it's his car and Robert, Robert Thorne's car. And they're both... Didn't they podium like, at one lap last year? They got third? They may have. I'll have to double check that. I can't remember. Or maybe they won their class. I don't remember. Um, they may have podiumed. I don't, I don't know how they did on... The, the dry skid pad at the end uh, always kind of like is weird because if the weather... Uh, is like bad. Yeah, it's it not can, a dry skid pad. <laughs> it, it can like really, really influence the results. Yeah, in May in uh, in Indiana, the weather is uh, volatile. So. A May bit. Oh, uh, so Super K was fifth overall. Fifth uh, overall. I knew it was like, like top ten, but uh, I can't but, remember if they have podiumed or not. Yeah, like all these guys who. Uh, who are fast at one lap, just, just like super impressive, impressive. Um, apparently Andy's been been on the show years ago, but I mean, they've done so much, uh, and, and he, now he's started a, uh, prep shop and, you know, uh, basically he builds cars for a living now. Um, and as far as I know, unless something's changed recently, um, Makaya's car is a 2018 Audi TTRS. The car that won one lap last year. Andy did the prep for that car, setting it up for one lap of America. It's been to grid life once or twice, but also they've been messing around with it on the drag strip. And as far as I know, unless something's changed, it was the world record quarter mile TTRS. Yeah, I believe it was. Didn't it run like like 990s or something? Fast. It's like (laughs) crazy fast. Stock bottom Um, end still too. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, (laughs) The car's like just styled. Stupid fast. I can't believe how... It's a five-cylinder, right? Like half a Lambo? Yep. yep. The, I, the I five cannot cylinders, believe the power. The the five-cylinder Audis, I don't know, are just like, for some reason, always just like are special to me. I I, I don't know why. I've never they had a connection cool. to them. I just think they're awesome. Uh, I had a, uh, a uh, like a neighbor uh, in college. He was... He, they, he, they had the... It was like a bunch of Honda guys in our apartment and across the hallway was a bunch of VW and Audi guys. Like they had uh, second gen Volkswagen Jettas and Golfs and stuff. Um, and so we would we would cruise together and go to, go to meets and stuff. Um, and uh, one time we even went out to Belle Isle. It was like 2002 maybe. Belle Isle before it like got returned to racetrack status. You know? Oh, cool. Um, and so it was like I think it was an old F1 track like in the 80s maybe. Um, but it was all run down and beat up like out in Detroit and we did like a Volkswagen meet there and then we did an impromptu like, okay, uh, there's no police here. Uh, Detroit still sucks. So let's do a track day on this old F1 track. (laughs) (laughs) It was so fun. (laughs) That is awful and awesome at the same time. Well, like two thirds of it. I remember like two thirds of it was, uh, was like the, the, the yellow and white, like gator curbs that were there and, uh, 
to you could like tell like which direction it went, but like some of it like just went straight into field at the time. So you'd have to like uh, do like the access road around the perimeter, and then you get back into it. It was really cool though. It was uh, that was uh, that was before I had done any track days. Uh, and it did get me like thinking of, uh, it was like one of the first things I had done like that. And it got me thinking like, I need better tires. Like, this is really fun. Uh, yeah. Drag racing is stupid. <laughs> so, uh, I, th- I think Makai is going in his car. Um, Alex is going, okay. or Moss is going in the, um, the S2000. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Andy is bringing the trainer and, uh, Andy just finished a build for Brandon. Cause Brandon has that like, you know, uh, what is it? Ultimate, uh, optimal ultimate streetcar caliber, uh, Evo that he's run with grid life in the yeah. past. But, yep. um, I think he's going to focus that car exclusively toward autocross, um, okay. for doing like King of the Mountain type events and, and like probably the drive auto X and then potentially even, um, you know, the SCCA autocross stuff. But yeah. he, uh, Andy did a build of Brandon's old E36 M3 and he, which I didn't even just, know he had. Yeah. Yeah, it's been like parked for quite a while, but yeah. just finished an S54 swap into that. It looks super um, clean too. It was yeah. it looks awesome and I think the intent in that car is to run a whole bunch of laps and also come come play in Gridlife Street class. So cool. I think that that'll be a, a pretty cool car for that for that class. You put enough tire underneath that thing, you could probably go real fast. Well, um uh, they they made 300 wheel horsepower with it. Yeah. Um, and if you can fit a 285 underneath it, that's like, that's pretty close to the pointy end, I think. Well, I, mean, we I don't saw, know how many uh, other cars are that, that much faster. We saw an S54 car do real well in the street class this year. Um, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a capable motor, um, you know, right at the record pace. Uh, and if you put well a driven, well underneath yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. So it, you, I'm, you, I'm you, excited you, you drive for this well. year. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, I remembered where I was going when I talked about the Volkswagen Audi guys. One of them had a, uh, he had a turbo Audi 5000, like a 1989 Audi 5000 four door. Um, and just like as it was like his beater, you know, like a quattro, uh, it was the big, like big, they were ugly, but like kind of, kind of cool at the same time. Um, and he just, he did a straight pipe on it and like cranked the boost with like, uh, with like fish tank parts or something. <laughs> Nice, and, uh, you know the old school like uh, homemade turbo boost controller, um, and that thing sounded so rad. Five cylinder Audis are, I mean, five cylinder anything. It's, there's something cool about it. So, um, it, I don't know if you remember. Um, there was a guy that had come to our Mid Ohio event a couple of times. Oh and yeah, he had, and it was like a kind of a Hunter Green Audi five thousand, yeah. and like. It'd probably be generous to say that he had old, like 205 width tires on it. Yeah. And like the suspension was kind of wallowy and it, it body roll was insane. That was um, the wet year, right? Yeah. Two years but ago. He, he, uh, he like put, it had to be some big Garrett turbo onto it and just turned yeah. it the hell up. And I think he uh, said it was making like 675 wheel or something. It it like was not a good track car, but it was the most awesome car at the event. What? And and he came to I think he came to two events this year. I think he came to uh to to Summit Point also. Yeah, that's where it was. And and he had swapped that same drivetrain into an Audi four thousand or 
early A4, or I don't know, but a smaller, like better looking Audi. And uh, I remember the car being like violently fast. I think it was at yeah. some point, like in a straight yeah. line. It was it was like track mod pace, uh, the, but it was the he, like, speeds drove, were pretty low. But well, man, they were bad. But wild. he like he drove it to the track too. But I mean, like total total rocket ship. But. Uh, yeah, really, and, and really cool sounding. Like, just a totally unique sound. Doesn't have that straight six sound that like a RB twenty six or two J has. Um, there's, it's just a different, obviously a different firing order, and just a really clean, cool sound. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we had a whole list of things that we wanted to talk about. Um, I don't remember what any of them were. <laughs> uh, so game night, game night's coming up after we go to Barber. I still That's hope true. you go to Barber, two, but game night's weeks. the weekend after. And Ashley was like, so you're going to be gone two weekends. I was you like, should probably drag her with man. Yeah. She, she probably has to work on Saturday. Didn't she? Uh, I think she's dialing that back. We'll see. Um, okay. so she might want to go to game night. That might be fun. It could be fun. Um, yeah. And I wanted to ask you, so game night's coming up in what, what's the date? Um, uh, I want to say January 23rd, maybe. I don't remember now. Um, 20th, uh, let's see. 21st. It, it's a Saturday night, I believe at, uh, Saturday in two weeks. That's the 18th. Yeah. Oh, the 18th. Okay. There's, there's like a hangar warehouse attached to the, like the, the co-op workspace that grid life has a small office in. Uh, and we did one last year, a lot of the Chicago and Wisconsin and Michigan buddies came out. So there's going to be another party. Uh, middle of January, so everybody can get together in Chicago. We'd love to. See. We have we had people fly in last year. It was kind of wild, but I think uh, uh, Ed's gonna like make a pit stop at my house and pick me up on the way and potentially oh, cool. carpool. Uh, he would have normally like gone uh, northwest from Columbus yeah. to get to Chicago, but at least according to Google Maps right now, uh, he can save like ten minutes by going through Indy. So it's like, well, it's not farther. You should stop probably and pick a bunch me up. of. Yeah, probably a bunch of uh, highway versus a bunch of like cornfield road too. B roads, but, yeah. Um, and, and last year, we, last year that that event was when we put some tickets on sale uh, for Gold Pass. But this year, it sounds like so Monday I was in the office. Chris and I we were there, and uh, we kind of pounded out a lot of the details and went over the money and the budgets and like what is what do these events actually cost us? Which is a thing that we've done in the past, but not quite as in depth. So we figured out like what what's the bare minimum we can price things at. Uh, so Gold Pass is sort of sorted out now, um, and they should be on. Uh, there's four options, I believe. There's a four, a five, a six, and a seven Gold Pass uh, as far as uh, amounts of track events. They should be on sale, I believe, Friday. So January the ten, ten, so. which means we should probably put this. Uh, we should. We should push back Bill to the 10th, and we should probably post this show on the 8th. Yeah. Well, part of the reason that we wanted to get them out uh, earlier is it would allow – because we do uh, – almost everybody that bought Gold Pass last year did the payment plan. Uh, and through the ticketing company, we can we can do like a, a financed payment plan for I think a, I think it's no cost. That's right. Um, yeah, I remember gives, doing that when I when I was driving back in 2016. This give, yeah, this gives uh, four. It, it spreads it out before the first event. It spreads it out over four months instead of three. So uh, helps. So that can help. Yeah, that can help some people. You know, save a hundred bucks a month or whatever, two hundred bucks a month in the payment. So, um, so I feel like in the last listening. four years, I've uh, 
like all the money I used to spend on cars, I now just spend on my house, which is like <laughs> sucky. Well, and and now you have now you have two houses, and one of them just has a Ford V10 underneath. So, uh, uh yeah, yeah, that's pretty yeah, awesome. You did a bunch of work on that thing too, which I gotta go work on mine. I've been totally ignoring it because I've been working on my stupid car. But, yeah, like it won't be long before you need it. Um, we're doing yeah, the like Gold Pass Winners event. Um, March in March at NCM. And before that, there's Coda, and I I don't know anything about travel plans for Coda yet. So, well, are you planning to drive really. the RV down? I'm I am so I am like mostly planning on it. So I think we're probably gonna uh, bomb down in the RV. Uh, Gabe wants to drive, and I kind of want to drive. Um, so I haven't touched Dan the sedan just in case like my car's not done. Got it. Um, I don't really have any aspirations of competing hard. I just want to drive Coda a couple sessions. So. Um, yeah, so if I have if I have help in race control and in grid, which uh, Pete Lindbergh is he's low he's semi local a couple hours away he's coming up. Um, Derek should be free. Uh, we'll have several volunteers uh, that have reached out uh, to help with basically like we're anticipating like thirty five ish cars probably, um, and lining up thirty five ish cars and doing tech inspection and all that stuff. It does take a time so and doing yeah, scrutineering sure. and. Um, takes manpower and time but and we don't have the we won't have any budget like like any budget for this event like even to bring ourselves there so we don't have the money to fly our entire team out which is uh because we're basically just a we're trying to help GTA put uh, put on a cooler event uh, or SLB super light battle um it's the GTA guys but uh yeah there's yeah, not going to be a lot, I think of, that'll a lot be a of money good combination around, of but. of stuff going on right like Having having GLTC well. yeah. and the time attack stuff would be would be neat. Yeah, Jason uh, Jason the uh, the founder of Superlab Battle is he's he was he would he pushed really hard for it. when I suggested it he was like oh that's perfect let's do it uh, and yeah we had a lot of we, we basically like last minute decisioned it uh, right before PRI but it was uh, uh, or right before uh, the G- GTA finals out at Buttonwillow but. Um, yeah, I'm kind of stoked about it. I'm, I'm, I've never been there. You've been there, but, and Chris has been there for the F1 race, but, uh, yeah, it should be it's fun. A, it's going to be a big track for a bunch of small, slow cars. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> interested to see what that's like. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of, a lot of club racing does happen there, but, uh, yeah, that, well, that as looks far like as one like, long uh, straight away. <laughs> uh, as far as like pricing goes for that event, uh, how, do, how does that compare to other events that have run at Coda? We tried to make it cheaper overall. The The cheapest club race I could find is the weekend before this one, and I believe it's seven ninety five for the SCCA Majors race, or maybe the early price was, or I don't know how they price things for SCCA Majors anymore. But um, but it's still like, you know, it's uh, we're, we're trying to do, we're doing six sessions, four races. Uh, we're, we're trying to offer like the most fun and the least wear and tear on your equipment with uh, with GLTC, so... It should be a pretty so good. So, what are you expecting lap times to be? Like two? I have no idea. Probably no idea. like two forty, maybe. You'd have know. to ask. Uh, you'd have to ask like a, a Yarbrough. Oh, <laughs> ask Yarbrough. him what his car ran last time, and like take five seconds off of it. That's probably what it'll run. Um, because like if we're running fifteen minutes flag to flag, what we're talking about is like five hot laps, maybe. Um, yeah, probably probably six, maybe seven. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do, uh, like a real fast pace lap cause it's such a big track right. I have. Uh, so the way, the way we're able to break up the time was we're, we were able to basically buy an hour a day. 
Um, and so I'm going to try to do like a 15 minute practice on Saturday is the goal and, uh, like a 20 minute qualifying. And then on Saturday night, we'll do a 25 minute race. So we'll have a little bit more room for, for like, uh, potential yellows and for pace lap and stuff like that. A little bit more time frame. Um, cause it's such a big track, you know? Right. And that, although we didn't really have any complaints about the race time at Road America, like five laps at Road America, like that's a lot. That's a lot of still a long time. time. Yeah, it's a lot of miles in your car. Yeah, but um, the uh, and then Saturday or Sunday will just be like you know three banger races, race, race, race. So um, that'll be awesome. Maybe one short and maybe one longer. You know, take five minutes out of one, add five minutes to the other. Uh, we we still have to finalize the schedule, but roughly that's we're going to try to have one slightly longer race with a little bit of room for incidentals and stuff. But um, well, the uh, yeah. what I've seen from the GLTC Facebook group is it seems like there's a mountain of people building cars for the series, which is super Dude, exciting. It's, it's sort of um, stupid almost. There's so like, many. There's going to be some high level competition at like at every spot in the grid. It seems like you know. I think so too. I think it's going to and. and uh, the, my, my number one concern isn't like who's going to win, who's going to lose kind of stuff. My number one concern for GLTC is maintaining like the, the vibe that we had at most events or all events right. and, and right. clean the, like the desire and the, like the, basically the, uh, it's not even like a request. It's like a demand for as perfect of clean of racing as possible. Not to say that right. like small incidents didn't happen, but like, uh, even like the smallest fender rubs and stuff like I don't want that. I want I want these cars to only be full of other people's rubber marks and not tire marks and not fender bashing. All all we want is to have them wiped off and you put them back on the trailer, you know. That's Yeah, right. To me that's how you how you keep club racing sustainable like uh there's just there's too much carnage in the average club race. Like it's just way too much. And like and every time I went racing I never felt like the the insistence from the sanctioning bodies uh, on cleanliness in anything except for lemons. Like lemons is the one that's like, all right, you guys can't touch. It's not allowed. I will black flag you for that. You'll have to weld a chicken to your roof, you know? <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, I think there's, I think there's a pretty good possibility that we could, uh, that we can continue that. That's, that's the main goal is the, the vibe. I think that'll be really exciting. So, yeah. We'll um, see. I got to get I my stupid card done. <laughs> Where, where is that at? Uh, What's well, in my garage in pieces. <laughs> I did bring the new motor over there uh, yesterday, uh, the new engine. I got – so Levi Brown had this beater, super, super leaky, super rusty uh, Civic Wago van in his driveway that his wife was like, get rid of this thing, Levi. Um, and he had bought it from our buddy Dennis Duff uh, years ago as like a beater. And, and then, uh, it's, it developed this crazy oil leak, like out of the, it seems like the oil pan gasket, but, uh, it had the same engine in it that I had in my car, uh, a JDM swap. Uh, it's a D15B VTEC. Um, and it, and it seemingly ran great and he just wanted to get rid of it. And, you know, like a, you can barely sell a rusty Civic for like 1500 bucks, but this thing is an, it was an all wheel drive one. So there's a bunch of money that we can get out of it. So he gave it to me and he said, take whatever you want off it, part out the rest. And all I need is a, gr a great deal on a basic roll cage because someday Levi has uh, aspirations of needing a full roll cage. So, sure. Yeah. Um, so 
Kyle and I, my buddy told Kyle and I are probably going to be zapping a cage into Levi's car, which I love doing cages in EF. They're fun. Uh, they're one of my favorite cars to actually do a cage in. But well, uh, and you've done a few of them, so it's not like yeah, it's not like yeah. you're learning from the beginning. So we're uh, we're probably going to be doing a cage uh, in that thing sometime this spring, some weekend. But I got a free engine. Uh, thank you, Levi. And so that's on a stand at my house. And the Jackson Supercharger has arrived. Uh, I took it all apart. And last night I pressed new bearings into it, into the snout. The main reason I wanted to put new bearings in is to change the seal because it seemed like the seal, like uh, on the drive pulley, uh, was seeping because there was just oil all around it. When I pulled it apart, like the seal was like as hard as can be. And the thing's like 25, 30 years old now. So, right. Um, so I changed that, changed uh, one of the bearings on that, and. Um, about to put the blower back together. Uh, I cleaned the blower off. I actually like the, those blowers. I don't know if I've talked about this, but they're known to like, uh, like the early, early Eaton Roots blowers are known to flake, like the, the Teflon coating that's on all the rotors. It flakes off and like it'll come off in big chunks. Um, it's like a gray Teflon coating. And, uh, so I, I paint stripped that stuff off. I just let it like sit for two days with, uh, with stripper on it. Uh, got rid of all the the coating and then basically just uh, cleaned all the little remaining chips off. And a lot of people just run them bare. There's no problem really with running them a little bit looser. The coating is thick, um, but the you, you'll drop like a psi or two. Uh, but some people say that there is less heat gain when you do that because uh, because the tolerances are slightly less. So uh, which is good. I want I want to not have super high intake temps, but I really only want to get like eight psi out of the thing. But, uh, I assume you still have to intercool it, right? Uh, well, you don't have to. Uh, those things came unintercooled. But uh, I bought these little Laminova core intercoolers and drilled some holes in the manifold. And so I'm like halfway through mocking that up. So that's almost ready for, uh, for, for initial welding. I got a piece sitting on the table here to take home this afternoon and cut apart to make little end tanks for the water feed into the Laminova cores. So That'd be cool. Um, yeah, so hopefully I can head over to Talk Isles and do some aluminum zapping this week or next week, and uh, yeah, and then start putting the uh, the engine together. I'm waiting on one piece. I'm waiting on like the blower. the The, the only thing this thing was missing was like the so the blower uh, m- mounts to its own intake manifold and has its pulley on it. It was missing a pulley. So Joe uh, Joe, who's on the show years ago from ColorFittings.com, uh, he. He had a whole run of these pulleys made up for D series Jackson blowers. He uh, he sent me a pulley. So go buy some cool multicolor fittings, uh, AN fittings from Joe. He sells good good AN fittings. It's kind of a good side hustle for him. But uh, uh, he sent me a pulley, so I got a pulley now. But it didn't have the like the serpentine assembly. That's that's like a, a separate bracket that mounts the alternator in a different spot and. Um, so I made a post on the Jackson Facebook page, Jackson Racing Facebook page, uh, f- or like it's like a like a a group, you know, Jackson Racing Supercharger group. Uh, that I I was looking to buy one, and somebody offered uh, to make one out of steel because they had like the CAD drawing of it. Um, so that should should have been shipped yesterday or today. He says that they're done. So I'm waiting on that, but almost there, almost there with all what the kind pieces. Of, um, so. With with the added power, what are you going to do? Um, that you just have to add weight to the car in order to keep it at the same. My power car weight? was a couple hundred pounds overweight already because I didn't have enough oh. power. So I Got really it. needed to make like another twenty horsepower. <laughs> so this should probably make that twenty horsepower. 
easily. Uh, yeah, it, it should be right about perfect. I'm, I'm looking for like 160 to 165 for my weight. Um, but the the biggest advantage I think is that the it, it's not going to have any lag. Like these things are not laggy. Like you touch the throttle and you're in boost. And that's uh, cool. And it should go from like 105 torque to like 165 torque. So I should make like Excellent. 50 or 60 more foot pounds, which is cool. So that's very uh, cool. Yeah, the power band should be pretty ideal for road racing if I can keep the intake temps cool. Um, and uh, I didn't see Dewey, but Dewey helped facilitate a final drive swap on the car. I brought the trans up to Six Star Motorsports in Schaumburg uh, last. I brought it, brought it up there on Monday. Uh, on the way to the grid life office and, uh, the, the next day I got a text from Dewey that it was done. So, um, so I'm, I'm looking to sell the 4.9 final. It's a D series cable trans. If anybody needs a D series L3 cable trans 4.9 final, I'll sell it too cheap. Uh, I put a 406 in, which is a, kind of a rare factory final drive. And what that'll do is take the trans, because I, I, I geared this trans, I geared it kind of stupidly. Um, I Two years ago, when I was building this first JDMD 15B, I thought, oh, it'll make power to 8,500. That's what the guy told me. Like, the cam will be good to 8,500. Turns out that was wrong, and the thing, like, fell on its face at 72. Gross. Um, and that RPM difference, that 1,500 RPMs or whatever, was, like, 25 miles an hour in fifth gear. <laughs> So, so I was like virtually out of gear with this trans at like Gingerman, uh, and it would have been totally out of gear everywhere, like bigger, like Road Atlanta, Road America. So um, you're adding power and you're changing the gearing. Are you going to run into the same problem? No, um, it, I'm not changing. Uh, I'll be adding power, but it's not going to rev high. Like the thing will stop. I'll, I'll shift at 7,200 RPMs. Okay. Um, so I changed the gears to reflect that, but now... So now basically at like a tight track, like a Gingerman or Blackhawk, it will be like sometimes a high second gear, but like a three, four trans instead of like a three, four, five. Okay. Uh, it, it should be a three, four trans, especially with the torque. Um, and then it'll have a fifth gear for like a, a Road America or the back straight at mid Ohio even, um, or any place that we go that's got higher top speeds. So, so um, um, it's not in the same realm, but. Have you ever watched any in-car video of Chris Borsma's car at Road Atlanta? Uh, I don't think I have, no. He does almost the entire track in between like three, four gear changes. I think really? only I think only on the back straight he goes into fifth, but everywhere else what he's got. just three, four. Yeah, I wonder what he's got gearing-wise, because this car goes fast. Like it's going almost 180 at Road Atlanta, I heard. Yeah, I it's, it's like one seventy something. I think uh, on on like full boost mode, that car makes almost eight hundred. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, which is that's a lot. Yeah, that's I wonder, such what, a cool I wonder car. what he's got ratio wise. I know a long time ago he had a Type R trans in it. Um, I think he listens. He'll probably text us. Maybe I'll know next week. <laughs> I would like to have those guys on the show again because um, I'll I'll be honest. I'm kind of butthurt that they don't record uh, time with attackers anymore. Is that what it was called? Time with Attackers? Yeah, it was, I just remembered it's a it great as, name, right? I remembered it as uh, Houghton and Chris's podcast. <laughs> we were on it one time, but I barely remember that. <laughs> oh, man, I miss Time with Attackers. Yeah. They did yeah, like was, eight or nine episodes. Yeah, they, did, they were doing a good job. It, it, and then they realized that it's a lot of work to just get it done. So. Well, I think uh, the, other, the other catalyst for them quitting was uh, they had record a show or two, 
and they, they were recorded on the computer and the computer crashed. So they lost everything. Oh yeah. It's like F it. I'm done. No, we record to SD card because it's these things that like these little zoom recorders that we that we record with. You could, I've literally dropped them in the middle of shows and they're just fine. They don't, they yeah, don't care they're at all. Yeah. So I have the option almost to record from the computer as well. Uh, Cause I'm always sitting at my computer when we record and I don't, the zoom yeah, recorder com- just seems to work. Computers can kick rocks. Zoom recorders rule. Well, I, Ashley uh, was being mean to me the other day, and I told her to kick rocks, and she was like, "I don't know what that means." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you've you've heard me say it too many times. <laughs> you got any uh, you got any project uh, plans for uh, the RV or for the Mugen Civic anytime soon? <sighs> um, at some point, if I win the lotto, I'm going to have Smedgard do a K24 swap. Um, it's like eight hundred uh, bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's eight hundred for the motor, but like to tune it and all that stuff would be like okay. Yeah, so it's, it's twelve hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks, whatever. Um, right. But I, I'd really like to do that. Um, just it would be a really fun, be, drivable swap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. To me, it just seems like a, a really cool, uh, like finishing piece on a cool chassis Civic. Um, at the same time, I think new Civics are dope. The, the yeah. new Civic Si just seems like it's so good, and uh, Brad from Tire Rack has uh, has gone really fast in his at Gingerman with like no effort. What is that? A, is his a one point five? I think it is, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and I'd like to. I know that uh, Full Race um, has been promoting a like a, a plug and play swap. Or a turbo swap for that engine. You, you said um, that the other day. Whole, I hadn't seen much about that. Um, I haven't heard any details about how much uh, added power or what, like, how complicated it is to do the, like, the the support components to make all that stuff work. But that seems like a really, really cool motor. So, the like everybody that has those cars seems to really like them too. Like, uh. The couple of buddies that we have, uh, Tom and Sally, that have raced them in TCA. Like, Tom has said that it's like the perfect car. Like, it's the perfect race car, he said. Yeah. Um, and Mike Taylor's wife daily drives one, and they just took it uh, on like a 10-hour road trip. He said it gets 41 miles per gallon. It's fast. Uh, the hatchback ones are like huge inside. Like, they're super roomy and fun. Like, it seems, it really does seem like it's uh, a really good all-around car. So uh, I'll, I'll also pitch this to the listeners. Uh, Ashley and I have been talking about upgrading her uh, like small SUV. She has a, she was a Crosstrek that just um, transmission just crapped out on it. So now that's fixed. Did it for sure? Super, yeah, it did. Um, it was super annoying. Uh, I ended up paying Subaru to do it just because like there was recall work that had to be taken care of anyway. And right. it's all the way on the other side of town. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to waste like, three hours just shuttling this car back and forth. And then I yeah. have to dive into the trans to replace this part. And yeah. they were like, well, we can do the labor for 560 bucks. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> shit. Um, yeah. The part itself was 800. So the whole job was 13, whatever, but it was just kind of like, well, I could go pick it up and I could go dive into this thing. But if it takes it an like, extra day or two, it was um, part of the trans that caused all the problems, but not the trans itself. Right. Yeah, it's it's the valve body is what it is in the CVTs. Oh, okay. It okay. on some cars it is like I guess on on a certain generation of the Subaru CVT the valve body is on the underside of the trans. Um, if you were to take like the the, the trans uh, oil 
pl- uh, yeah. cover off. It's like, like right the pan. There. So super, super easy. Um, but on not on the, yours. <laughs> uh, mine's on the top, which you'd have to, uh, you take all the intake stuff off and you take the throttle body off and then you start to like climb into the engine bay to start taking these bolts out to get this valve body out. And right. I like, I tweaked my back last week and I thought about um, like leaning over the hood of a car trying to fucking replace this thing. And I was just like, nah. I'll just no, that's like the it. worst. That's the worst place to work is leaning over a car when you don't do it every day. <laughs> it's yeah. the worst. So especially anyway, when you get a sore back. Car's back, um, but she thinks uh, we we ended up taking um, her car back to our parents' house for Christmas, and yeah. we had like Christmas gifts in the back of this small SUV, and she was convinced that it had more room than the Civic, which on on like second look, I'm I'm not actually convinced because the trunk of the Civic's big enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we had all this crap in the back in the hatch and then the two dogs in the back seat and the dogs were like freaking out and they were climbing up onto Ashley's lap in the front seat and she was just like I'm over it. We need a new car. You got and, like big dogs too. Yeah, yeah, we got big dogs and like we're still talking about having kids and stuff and so uh she like made this list of all the things that she wanted and she wants a three-row SUV that has oh, captain's chairs in the second row and has space behind the third row. And it's like, you want, you want a suburban. That's yeah. Like, and that, that's what it is. Yeah. That's, you got that or you got like an old expedition. That's it. Well, and, and she and I argue about excursion. She thinks, I mean. <laughs> she thinks that traverse is a better option. And it's like, no, well, you don't no. want to own that. <laughs> I don't so, care if anybody yeah. listening owns traverse. Like you don't want to own that car. <laughs> Um, no, it's like, uh, the traverse is fine, but I, there, I think there's a big difference mechanically between, uh, vehicles that are engineered on truck chassis to ones that are engineered on, on, on car chassis. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if you want, like, there's a reason that land cruisers will last four decades and, yeah. uh, it's, I think it's in part just because the mechanics are a little bit simpler and they're designed to last. Now, you well, everything is just heavier that, duty. It's just, yeah, it's not, they're not built on Chevy Malibu chassis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you, have you seen a 15 year old Chevy Malibu driving around? No, mm, no. <laughs> have you seen a 15 year old suburban? Yep. Uh, I'm looking at two of them on my block right now. <laughs> yeah. So I realize it's like, it's, it's an outrageously large car. And I think that's the reason she doesn't want to go down that path. But what like, about what about this? This is part of the this is like part of the way that I got an RV the first time. Um, Sarah was like, "Man, it's like so tiny in here on trips. It's, this thing sucks on trips." I'm like, "Babe, we should buy an RV." <laughs> so like, yeah. how about how about next time you go to Goshen or whatever, like you just take the take the big old Ferd, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just RV up to Dad and Mom's house. Well, if uh, see the thing is, I'd have to like pull the car behind it because uh if we're like running around i i'd have to park the car, the rv at my dad's house because he's got enough space to do it uh yeah. our parents don't but then i don't see a problem know, here you just bought a tow dolly <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot of that's a lot of stuff it just seems yeah like man it's, it's a bit more work the but then but then you don't have to have a car payment buying some stupid Chevy Traverse. Whoever the heck makes that thing. So uh, the the episode that we just released for Slip Angle was a business idea that maybe will never actually come to fruition. But it totally got me thinking, though. Totally got yeah, me thinking. Thinking a lot. Um, we actually went around and looked at a few places here in Indy. Um, 
it's possible. And there, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't know how, um, how like focused on, uh, enthusiasts we would, we would need to be to get it to work. Um, so like there's some spots, my friend lives in an area, uh, just North of, uh, like really downtown. And yeah. there's, it's like a pretty, pretty wealthy area. Uh, but it's old houses that don't have a ton of garage space. And I was like, we, we found an old like Ace Hardware or something that was vacant, but not for sale. Okay. We were like, man, this, this would be perfect. Like right near like, there? Oh, yeah. It's like two blocks from his house. And he's like... Interesting. You know, the, the, the houses in this area, uh, the new condos start at 500000 and they go up from there. Holy and he's cow. Like, if you had... You know, if you had your, your grandpa's Packard or whatever uh, and it needed to be somewhere... Uh, right now, there's no place to put any stuff like that. But and there's nothing like this in Indy right now, huh? It's there's one place um, right now, and it's called Silo. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it seems like a cool spot. I've never seen the inside other than through pictures. But they're like, I, I don't know. They they kind of strike strike me as like country club esque in that you're paying. I think it's a, about a hundred dollars a month for membership, and then to store right. a car is another almost 200 okay and like 300 a month for a, storing a car is like probably fine for some people to pay but it wouldn't be like it would be <laughs> fine for me to pay that's that, that's well, you, a lot of money yeah i saw that was the place that jeremy boyson linked in the comments in the the post of that right yeah that's right yep so i mean it's a cool spot it's a it's a cool idea but it does look um, cool the I guess in that case, what you're doing is you are catering to enthusiasts, and and what it looks like that place also is is kind of a a venue for like a wedding or a party or whatever else because they right. they have event right. space too. Um, yep. And when when Ed and I were talking about it, uh, his spot is like it's a hundred bucks and it's a barn with a clean parking spot that has easy access, twenty four hour in out, right? And that's like that's probably closer to the market you'd want to serve is like people who are going to go in and out a lot more than people who are going to put a car in a museum. Yeah. It's uh, and it seems like if you're going to, uh, if this was something that you were starting, that would be the first place to start. Like, and if it goes gangbusters, maybe, maybe you talk about higher end next time, but yep. Um, um, yeah, the, the, like the, the things that like the thing that Matt Fair is doing is like, uh, I mean, you don't want to invest ten million bucks into a building in Indianapolis, but no, definitely in, no. In L.A., might—I mean, I don't know how much he's putting out. I'm just assuming it's ten to twenty million bucks. Um, but like in L.A., that's a different world. So, yep, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, four or five hundred bucks a month might not be a big deal for somebody out there to put like their their other Bugatti. <laughs> Yeah, right. But um, so that was that was business idea number one. But as as Ashley and I've been talking about suburbans and maybe maybe this is already a thing, but Mm -hmm. I thought it would be awesome to uh, start an online company that uh, sells off road equipment for suburbans and call it Suburban Outfitters because I think that would be fun. That's not actually a terrible name. <laughs> the uh, I'm surprised that doesn't exist. Uh, the, I, I haven't checked yet, so if someone wants to buy that domain and steal it from me, that's fine. So what you really should do for like for the three times a year that Ashley's going to want to have a third row double captain's chairs, whatever, 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 um, 
You should just go rent one. Just go to Avis and just rent a Suburban. Well, so uh, I the the desk that I use in my office was basically falling apart. Since right. we've moved in, we've talked about replacing it, and I've just been really picky about what I wanted. And we were at um, we were at Costco a few days ago, and uh, I found one, and I was like, "Yeah, this is fine. Let's get this." And yeah. we were driving the Civic because her car was still at the dealer, and I like went outside and I looked to see if. Um, the, the desk could potentially fit through the pass through and yeah. we ended up not buying it. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. Right. Um, and none of my friends around here have trucks. So, yep. uh, a few days later when Ashley got her car back, she went back to the store and she tried to buy it and they were sold out. And so they were sold out at any of the costos that were close to our house. Cause there's like okay. one on one side on the North side. There's one on each, like the East side of town and the West side of town. Right. Both of them were out and the the lady at the counter was like, "Well, there's there's five in Greenwood, which is like way south." Right. Ashley was like, "I'll just go get it." And so she she like made this awesome detour that was very generous and she went down to get it and she was able to get this desk into her Crosstrek, but only um by putting the front seats like super close to the dash. Yeah, she said it was like the most uncomfortable, awkward drive home because it actually is like a really tiny person. <laughs> yeah, um, it kind of reminds me. I, she, I'm surprised she hasn't said all the way forward already. Yeah. Well, the other thing that like I want in a vehicle, if as, as a family vehicle, is the ability to put four by eight sheets of something yep. um, in the back. And you could do that in a pickup, uh, but we're not going to buy a pickup because Ashley's car will need replaced before mine does. Yeah, um, and you already had a and, pickup. And uh, I saw someone attempt to do it in a traverse, and it fits widthwise. Yeah. But the only way a human could drive is like do exactly what she did. Yeah, and it's like super unsafe. And it was just like, well, this is stupid. The only you know, the, the vehicle you want is a suburban. You know what you should do? Instead of buying a suburban, you should buy the lowest mileage, far, far down south excursion. <laughs> With a V10 that you can buy because they're six thousand bucks, and they last uh, forever. The gas um, V10s, the same drivetrain your van, your RV has. Yeah, uh, they literally last forever, and they don't have any value compared to the diesels. Like if you buy one from Florida or Texas or something, and then uh, you just buy a sub a hundred thousand mile one, and you put it on Turo, and then you just rent that shit out like Derek does. <laughs> yeah, just park it outside at my house. Yeah, have it pay for itself in two years probably. And then you get a free well, truck for whenever you want. It's kind of amazing though. We've we've been without car payments since June after my Jeep got stolen. It's pretty nice. It's pretty I, nice. I only have to keep the Civic for like 14 months before the car pays for itself. Yeah, before so like, it's free yeah, that, compared to your Jeep. That's pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, but, man. You got to live that Jebay lifestyle. I haven't had a car payment ever. <laughs> it's the yeah. best. You you can get by with like making no money for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can play true. with dumb but, Hondas and, and totally ruin your you're life. You're always in other ways. fixing something. Not really. I never work on my wife's car. Now that I say it, it'll probably break. But like, well, no, what you do just got to buy the right thing. What do you need to do right on your truck? Oh my my work truck gets pounded into the ground every day. I got to change fifth gear. Fifth gear makes this weird noise. Um, the trans uh, fifth gear is outside the main case of the trans. Um, and I think I know what happened to it. I think, uh, I think it, it sort of messed it up because, uh, a couple of years ago, fifth gear is held on with this like circ. It's literally like a circlip, like a little metal circlip. It's held onto this shaft 
and that that circlip is known to break and fifth gear just pops backwards and can rattle around. So Have it you probably dealt with this problem before. Uh, yeah, I fixed that problem, but I didn't change the gear. So I probably just need to change the big fifth gear in there. I just got to pull the tail off the back of the trans. I can probably do it in the in the truck easy. If that, if, know it, that if the if the if the small part of fifth gear isn't bad, like it'll be an easy fix. But well, I know that last year you were working on the truck because uh, what was it? The fuel pump like gear driven fuel pump ate itself and like destroyed oh, that was, everything. In the- that was two years ago. And that was because when I resealed, I, I put all new seals in that fuel pump when I first did the swap and I didn't get it into its gear correctly. So it like mashed the keyway. Um, and so it was fine for like a hundred thousand miles and then it vibrated loose and just destroyed the snout of that pump. So that was, how many miles was, do you put on that truck a year? Uh, only like 25,000 now, but, uh, it's just got a gajillion miles on it. It's got 300,000 miles on it probably. But I'll probably end up keeping it for another, I mean, who knows. The thing is, it'll have an infinite lifespan. Everything on it is always replaceable and it's easy to work on. But the problem with it being easy to work on is that like, and it's all custom crap that I made, that like I can't just yeah, bring it to a shop easy. Well, it's not really annoying. Like I haven't had to actually do much to it. Like once a year, I got to work on it for a day, really. Um but like, I can't just bring it to a shop and be like, "All right, can you like just change this?" Because like, I might have made that thing, <laughs> like, uh, and and nobody's nobody's gonna know unless they're like a really specialized diesel shop. They're not gonna know like like what to do with a lot of things. So sure. Um, but anyway, the, I'm a fan of old trucks though, and, and old cars. If I were you, I'd buy an old excursion. And the nicest one you can find that some grandpa towed his bumper pull camper with in Texas, and then I would rent it on Turo and have another income stream. That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah, you're you're making good points here. Um, the there was only Lost one you. other thing I wanted to talk about before we ended, and that is uh, drivers that don't have transponders. Yeah, uh, I lost you for a second there. Somebody somebody started calling me. Um, so there's two things that we need to do about transponders. We need to figure out how to, how to rent them ourselves, uh, or own them ourselves. And we don't have the money for that right now. Um, or people need to buy them themselves. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I wish everybody owned their own, but nobody does. Probably only like one out of 15 drivers owns their own. Well, I know that like, even, um, when, when I was driving, uh, the people were like upset that my laps went to a subscription only model for transponders. And I, I don't really know why I think people just are not super excited about subscription models, anything, but as yeah. everyone's kind yep. of moving that direction, you kind of just have to live with it. But, uh, my laps did release a, um, like buy it for life subscription, um, device, uh, right. transponder. And, uh, Bart was on the phone with me yesterday and he told me that those retail for five ninety nine. I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so maybe, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll be able to get a discount on those somehow to, uh, to give to slip angle listeners or potentially to sell on track tuned or something in, Bart in a way from that Pegasus. Like, correct. Yeah. Um, so that like, well, people buy more of these. I also got to, we, we got to have a conversation with, uh, with my laps, my laps, uh, with other organizations has like a, has a link like here, buy it, buy it from here. And then like, you get a kickback if they buy it through your link. Right. But, uh, 
Yeah, haven't uh, haven't thought about it since PRI, and Chris Chris talked to me late last night about it, and now you're talking to me about it. Everybody wants to talk well, about this. Here's so. the other way. I mean, obviously, like I don't think people realize how expensive buying this many devices would be. I think, like, in order for us for GridLife to own their own timing equipment, it would be like fifty thousand bucks, which and, is a big big number. And and a big um, and even a big chunk of that is just buying the transponders. The, well, no, buying the the software, like the software. No, no, no. Is like, that's only like three thousand bucks. Yeah, that's still that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, but if if you if you're talking about fifty thousand bucks and no, six thousand tr- is yeah. in a, is in you know a computer slash software slash decoder and yeah. forty four is in transponders. Forty four is the number I'm worried about. There's a ton of money, yeah. Um, so, and I and I I see us really needing to own like seventy five of them. Um, for well, most events, we're, we're we kind rent, of at a point now where much, it's like but. difficult to get the number of transponders that we want to get. Yeah. So well, we're we, also going to be selling less time attack spots this year because uh, Midwest Festival, like we just can't sell that many driver spots because we can't uh, we can't for sure park that many cars if it rains. So yep, that was um, uh, it was a really tricky spot last year where like the rain just took all of our parking away. There won't be as many time attack drivers at Midwest this year um, on purpose. So, uh, so, so buy, buy your gold pass. <laughs> if you're thinking about uh, wanting to come to Midwest, you should think about supporting the entire series and buy. It's going to be a bit harder. You might need to buy a gold pass if you want to come to. Midwest. I would imagine Midwest Festival is going to be mostly gold pass drivers. So, yeah, uh, um, I mean, how many were how many gold pass did we have last year? Like eighty. Uh, 80 and I think 70 of them were time attack and, or like 65 of them were time attack, like f- four or five were GLTC. Uh, and I think 10 or so were 10 or 15 of them were, uh, were HPDE. So, um, yeah, there's a lot be, of drivers. Though. Something. It's, it's crazy because every year it, it feels, um, crazier. I don't know. Like, I think you, we probably, you and I were talking. I think we hit peak time attack last year, uh, but we said that for the last two years. So I don't even we know. Have. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced we've peaked yet because people text me regularly about getting details for when tickets are going to go on sale. Not people January that I don't 10. normally talk to. So. I know. I know that uh, being the driver liaisons, we get to answer all those questions, right? Yep. So, so. Anyway, um, we're into this thing for about an hour ten, and I gotta go relieve my wife of a child. So, well, and I I gotta go back to doing flooring. You know, I gotta get that done. Yeah, you gotta get it done before Ashley comes home. Gotta look like you That's did right. something all day. Yeah, right. And if I uh, if I finish the podcast before she gets home, it'll be like I never did one. Uh huh. That's the goal. Hide. All right. Hide it from hide it from your wife. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, buddy. We'll you, buddy. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pit City Grid Live to say hello. Hello.